This podcast is brought to you by Viking Capital, your best friend in swimming pool financing for over 20 years. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with none other than Joe Vassalo, owner of Paragon Pools. Joe V has been a pioneer in the industry and has been building pools for the past three decades. Joe, you probably forgot more about pools than I'll ever even know. Tremendous pleasure to have you with us today on the show, man. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, listen, Joe, you got a whole flock of new guys that are entering the industry. They don't know who's who. They don't have an understanding of what a tremendous impact that you've had on this industry. And I really wanted to have you on the show with us today so that we can kind of talk about your experience in the last three decades in the pool industry and kind of you offer some insights as to maybe some of the new guys. Why don't you give us a little bit of backstory? I know you first got started a long time ago with uh, paddock pools. And then before that, it was either it was Tango. I mean, can you give us a little bit of a chronology of how you got going? Sure, sure. Actually, it's a very interesting story. Uh, when I was a very young man, still in high school, my dream was to become an architect. And, um, you know, as, as life has it, things don't always pan out the way you would like them to be. But I went to a very accredited school in uh, Brooklyn, New York, which is where I grew up, uh, called Brook- Brooklyn Tech High School. I did get a lot of uh, design training and architectural training while I was attending Brooklyn Tech. But after that, really didn't have the money to go to college or anything like that. So I wound up, uh, you know, just going to work like uh, everybody else. But at some point, I had a friend of mine who owned a uh, Tropicana orange juice distributorship. And uh, got into that. And that was pretty lucrative. I did very well with it. And then about at the age of about 38, I wound up moving to Las Vegas. One of the attractions about Las Vegas, it wasn't the gambling or the the nightlife. Coming from a a high-end real real estate uh, place like New York to Las Vegas, the money went pretty far. Like I said, I was barely 40 years old. I was able to uh, sell my house and buy another house twice the size for half the cost. And I had a much kind of nicer living environment than I did uh, living in the city. So when I bought my house uh, in Vegas, certainly like almost everybody else, I wanted a swimming pool. Uh, So I call up a swimming pool company. Some guy comes out, a designer, and starts uh, designing a pool for me. Well, my design juices started to kick in from way back when and said, no, 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 we should do this, we should do that. I pretty much knocked him off his drafting table and started, you know, designing my pool. And and in those days, we were still using, uh, you know, pencil, ink, triangles and circles. Stencils, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, this, this is roughly about 1988 now. So the guy says, wow, you're pretty good at this, you know? And I said, uh, yeah. He says, you ought to talk to my boss. I said, really? Turns out it was the owner of Tango Pools, Tony Tagano, who has since passed away. But uh, he was a little Italian guy like me from New York. So I went to go meet him. We got along great. He hired me. And that's when I first got into the swimming pool business. So it was kind of interesting how, you know, life, life, seems, ha- life seems to have a path that takes you where you're supposed to go. 
Yeah, I, I, I that kind of worked out for me the same way, Joe. I mean, I took one look at California and I was like, this is the way life is supposed to be. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you kind of got the same experience when you touched down in Vegas. You were like, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was great. It brought me back to what I wanted to do, which was, the, you know, design. And yeah. uh, well, I'm not designing buildings. It was fun designing pools. It was a fun thing to meet people. Uh, talk about things that they are really excited about. You know, people are happy to see you in this business. Uh, it's not like they're going to the dentist or something, you know. So it, it's yeah. a, a fun. You're not, selling insu- you're not selling insurance. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, people, act, they're actually enthusiastic when you step into that backyard. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that first step, getting involved in the industry, I think that kind of got you immersed in pools, wanting to become a pool salesman. So what was the transition to you deciding that, you know, it's time for me to start my own company and start Paragon Pools and step away from Paddock? Right. Well, uh, the truth be known, uh, at the time I was a general manager for Paddock Pools and... um, You know, uh, it was an absentee business, owner absentee business. Uh, We were in Vegas and they were really uh, located in Arizona. Uh, So I thought it was just time to get on my own. I was pretty much doing everything on my own anyway. And I got a little nudge from uh, my uh, publicist at the time, Mary Vell, who said, you know, you really need to open up your own company. So, you know, with her encouragement, that's what I wound up doing. And we opened up Paragon Pools in 2001. So we are now celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. That's fantastic. You have some track record in the industry. I mean, especially in the Las Vegas market, I know that you guys are huge and that you have a a large percentage of that market share for uh, luxury high-end custom pools. So that's that's a great organization that you've built over the last two decades, Joe. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been a, a, a fun trip, but, you know, still a, a roller coaster. If you remember back, uh, oh, I guess it's now about 10 years ago, uh, Las Vegas went through a very, very rough period where we were having more foreclosures than any place else in the country. So in order to survive that, we started doing more of the remodeling and repair work. Uh, a lot of people were, even if they wanted to leave their homes, they couldn't because the, they couldn't get the value out of it. They were probably underwater at best. And so they decided to, you know, invest a little more money into the home because they were going to be there for a while. So the remodeling and repair business became uh, kind of a lifeline for us. And then uh, finally, we moved out of that kind of bad time into some better times and Right and right now, things are just going through the roof. And, you know, I've got way more business than I, I can possibly handle. Joe, where do you think this uh, unprecedented demand that we've had over the last two years, where do you think that's going within the next two years? I mean, you've been in this industry a long time, so you kind of know the trends and everything. I'm sure you've never seen anything like this before, though, right? You're, you're right about that. In 30 years, I've never seen anything like this. I, I can only kind of guess, uh, not an economic uh, kind of person, but um, I think it was a confluence of several things. Number one, when this COVID hit, manufacturing started to dwindle. Plants were either closing or just running skeleton crews. Uh, Transportation stopped. 
and, and so on. And what happened was inventories just went way, way, way down. Now, look at the other side of that, where mom's home, dad's home, the kids are home, especially in an area like Las Vegas. And they've been talking maybe about getting a pool uh, for a boat or something uh, for a number of years and just never pull the trigger. And now everybody's home looking at a, an empty backyard in 100 degrees and said, you know what, we can't spend money going out to dinner or traveling, going on vacation. Luckily, everybody was still working because they, most people were able to work at home uh, given the new all the new technology we had. So uh, there was some maybe discretionary funds and they were able to pull the trigger. And so we've had this uh, downturn in, in supply and this huge increase in demand. And then there you go. Hey, Joe, do you think that the industry has been able to capitalize on this momentum the way that we should have, given the nature of all the shortages and the labor shortages and the material shortages? I mean, do you think that we're really hitting on all cylinders as far as what we could be doing in propelling more interest with the consumers? I mean, I know that interest has never been higher. All right, but there's so many people right now that want a pool that they just can't get on anybody's dig schedule. I mean, do you think we're doing everything that we could? Uh, I would say we're probably far from that. Uh, I'm sure everybody else is like like me. We just don't have the resources, me as a little company, and I'm guessing as an industry, the resources just aren't there to fully capitalize on the demand uh, as much as they would like to. Uh, manufacturers are, you know, at, at their limit. They can't produce enough. I know for me, I'm getting like probably, no exaggeration, probably five times as many leads as I can handle. So, you know, and, and I just can't find the, the people and the resources to be able to capture that five times. I can't even capture three times, you know. We're all lucky if we can do two times of what we did previously. So, uh, and then, like I said, you have all the limitations of um, materials and labor not being there to support whatever you can design and sell. So it's it, it's a problem, but it, it's a better problem to have than we had 10 years ago where there was nobody looking to buy a pool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's about setting expectation with the customers right now. I mean, they know the yeah. pool industry is white hot. Yeah, and that and that's what we're doing. I mean, we're, when I meet with a new client, I tell them you, you probably uh, – need to understand is the very first thing I tell them, I'm probably not going to be able to get back with you for maybe six weeks before I can even give you a design or proposal. And in some cases, it's gone further than that. Yeah, I, I see you guys lead time has just been extended. I mean, I was talking with uh, another big builder the other day, who said it's like two months before you can even set foot in somebody's backyard uh, to give them an estimate. So, I mean, it's really, uh, it's a problem right now, just, you know, trying to be a hydra and trying to be in a million places at once. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Joe, I know that, uh, that with the 20th anniversary of Paragon Pools that you guys have been doing a lot of special things over there. I saw that recently. You guys had a huge picnic and that you had everybody out to celebrate. I know that you're running a, a program right now called float like a duck that's a safety program you're going to give us a little more insight about that yes yes um you know uh i've gotten involved uh, with the community over the years 
and there's uh, you know we're very active within the in the community. We are big believers in in giving back, and one of the needs we found in one of the uh, an area of concern, as you probably know, that the drowning of small children, especially under the age of four or five, is is a a, a big concern for our industry, and I realize there are a lot of communities here in Vegas, like in every other city, where there are children who don't have the opportunity to get in the pool or learn to swim. And, um, you know, we've got the lake out here. Uh, Lake Mead is a very popular place for uh, families to go, get out on the water. And it's not just swimming pools that, that can be an area of concern. So we put together a program called Float Like a Duck, and we have a, a duck mascot, like a mascot like you would have at a, a baseball game or a football game. And uh, our mascot is called Ducky, and uh, kids gravitate toward it. And we've built a whole program with a lot of partners. The YMCA here is uh, a very, very big part of our program. They provide the venue for our event. We're supported by the Las Vegas Metro, the police, uh, Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, UMC, and a whole host of other first responders that have uh, taken our program to heart and and made it their own as well. So we typically uh, have about three to 500 people attend the event. Typically, we do it on Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we teach children, little little kids, how to how to float, uh, how to swim, if they can pick that up uh, that quickly, but introduce them to the water and learn how to be safe around water. And there's a number of things we do, not not just swimming, but uh, teach kids how to dial 911 in case uh, a parent or somebody is in trouble as well. Teach them how to be safe around pools, how to have fun and enjoy uh, bodies of water. Uh, at the same time, we do it through fun and education. We don't like doing the fear factor part of it. There are some organizations, uh, even here in town in Vegas, who have what they call mock drownings. Uh, they actually stage a drowning and people watching that are in the venue have no idea that this is staged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just the kind of the, they do this kind of shock awareness thing. I am just not about that at all. Like I said, we have games, we have prizes and all the, all the while we're doing all these things, we're teaching these kids and their parents something about water safety. Uh, we've had the Coast Guard come out and give uh, life jackets out uh, for free to children. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a fun event. We have a good time. Yeah, I've never seen any kind of approach like that with the mock drownings. Is that like the, the scared straight equivalent of uh, teaching kids how to swim? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to me. But that's that's what they do. They feel somehow or other this is some kind of uh, makes kind of an, an impression it, it to me it leaves a very bad impression but uh, yeah i mean i would think it would make kids traumatized of being around the water if anything yeah so like i said we try to do it in a, in a fun way we've actually created a coloring book where that we hand out to the kids each page in the coloring book is some well-known person from las vegas it could be our tv weatherman or, or something along that line 
some of our first responders uh, are actually characterized, I guess is the word, in the coloring book in people, you know, the kids can color uh, each person. But, you know, we have fire trucks in the book and all of that. But at the bottom of each page, so a parent can go over and do this with them, is a water safety tip. So it's really very cool. And, you know, we've been doing this now. We just uh, celebrated our 18th year. Oh, that's awesome. Is that something that uh, that your son's helping you uh, administer? Uh, yeah, is um, he uh, yeah, getting involved with this? Yeah, my son gets involved with uh, almost everything. You know, I'm at the point where uh, I'm kind of throttling back a little bit or trying to. I feel mm-hmm. like Godfather 3, you know, every time I try and get out, they keep pulling me back in. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Joey pretty much uh, runs most of the company now. Um, and most of the decisions are his. I still stay in touch. I don't know, for some reason, I can't see myself uh, getting up every morning with nothing to do. So I still dabble a little bit, but I get to play golf a couple of days a week. So uh, I'm not complaining too much. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I know that you've had a successful uh, implementation of kind of transferring roles and responsibilities and being able to step down and, and having your son step up to take a more uh, day-to-day role in the operations of the company. Um, I know that there's a lot of guys in the industry that are uh, struggling with uh, ways to come up with a succession plan and figuring out what their third act is going to be in terms of how do they uh, transfer over uh, the mantle of that business to either uh one of their relatives or a new, um, a new owner. And I wanted to talk to you and get some insight from you on uh, how you put that succession plan together for your son. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, you have to be very lucky, to be honest with you. Uh, <clears throat> I've always had a very, very good <clears throat> relationship with my son. Um, you know, I mean, I was with, I coached him through Little League. I always coached the teams, you know. We did a lot of things together all the way through. And then uh, when he was in high school, uh, during the summers, I used to take him out with me and just help me go measure a yard or something like that, where he would hold the end of the tape while I went around and measured it. And little by little, he started to get uh, more and more involved. Uh, I don't want to say I pushed him that way, but I did not uh, discourage him in any way. You know, he started to demonstrate some talent and um, I helped him, uh, I guess, nurture that talent. And as time went by, he started uh, becoming uh, one of my best designers and salespeople, you know, that that I had. And then uh, obviously the next step was to be running uh, running a company. And uh, he took to all of that very, very well. He embraced it. He, he loves it. He enjoys it. Um, and, and let's face it, the money's pretty good in our business for, for what we do. So you can make a very, very good living. And, um, you know, so I, I think it, it takes a little bit of luck, but uh, it, it does take some time. I've, I've always been um, a person that like to teach and share my knowledge. I don't know why, but I got a big kick out of that. And um, some people are very secretive. They they want to keep what they know to themselves. Uh, I'm completely the opposite of that. So I shared my knowledge uh, 
with a lot of people that worked for me over the years. Some of them now even uh, have opened up their own businesses and uh, are still in the business making a living. Yeah, I could see that. I know that disseminating information, a lot of these guys, the IP is all locked in their head and they have no way to transfer that over. So that's why their businesses aren't as transferable as they would like. Because I mean, when you try to go sell the business and what largely drives the success of that business is the person that's leaving, it becomes very difficult to to bring on new people that are willing to take that on. So you having a ready new owner for that company in your son is probably like the most advantageous thing that could have happened in your company, especially since he's willing to take on all of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I've never really even thought about uh, entertaining, even selling the business. It's something that's going to be handed down to my son. And now, now I have a grandson, actually, who's uh, how old is Gabe now? 15, I think, 15 or 16. And um, hopefully he's going to uh, at least take, take a look at what we're doing. He's actually expressed an interest in that already. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to get them immersed at a young age. So yeah, bringing very, them to the job sites and all that stuff definitely helps. Yeah, very much so. And you, and you can't push them. You know, it's either they embrace it or they don't. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so far as him taking over the business and driving that engine now, I mean, do you see that his uh, involvement is uh, moving Paragon in a new direction? I mean, I'm sure he has his own ideas of what he wants to do with the company and the, the direction that he wants to take. Um, actually, uh, when it comes to that, uh, for the last few years, it's been really a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Um, both discuss it and, um, you know, talk about, you know, what or where we want to go. Um, w- you know, there was a time where we were, you know, we were doing maybe about 150 or 60 pools a year at one time. And now we're, you know, over the years, it's kind of dwindled down to about, maybe 60 or so, but they're much, much higher and more complicated now than they were before. Most of the pools we build are, you know, in the six figure range. It's it's a little different, little different animal, but um, at the moment, I don't see, you know, the the times are kind of taking us to where I guess we're going. It, it's not the other way around. Like we're driving, we're not driving the ship. I don't think. I think the the times are driving the ship. So the market's kind of indicating to you, you know, yeah, where, where you're, to, where you need to be and where you need to position yourselves. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. As far so, as transitioning over to, uh, to being a more high end builder and, and shifting away from production pools, I mean, how has that been for you so far? Oh, no, that, that, that's been great. I've always been, been kind of attracted to things, let's just say, that they, they were challenging. I remember uh, a while back, I was called to go out and redo a half-acre lake. And uh, it was like basically ripping out the lake and starting all over. Now, I, I had never done a lake before, but I was very much attracted into wanting to do that. And I was able to have the resources to call upon to uh, help me make that that happen. It turned out to be a huge success. I made a lot of money on it and, you know, it worked out great. And and one of my things is is I've never had a call back for anything, not one little thing, you know, on that lake. Um, 
And then that kind of jump started me into doing some commercial pools where we're doing, I mean, I'm working on a, um, getting ready to start a project here very shortly. That's a 4,000 square foot pool, you know, so uh, it's a pretty large undertaking. And um, so we don't shy away from new things or challenging things. Uh, again, we, we're, we are, uh, we enjoy taking them on. I definitely know you guys are on the cutting edge so far as the design is concerned. I mean, I see some of the stuff you guys are putting out in the Vegas market. I mean, you guys are established a really strong reputation for uh, designing on the high end. One of the things I like the most is uh, the, the use of fire that you use in some of your pools. Tell me about one of these designs that you did uh, that, that uses a, a great combination of water and fire, Joe. Well, uh, I guess first I'll tell you how it got started and how we got into it. Um, we were doing a, a street of dreams home here in Las Vegas <clears throat> a while back. And um, we came up with the uh, idea of, you know, we, we were looking for something that's going to be different than everybody else. And at the time we came up with this idea, what if we could get fire and water coming out of the same vessel? Um, that might be pretty cool. So, you know, we were doing water pots, we were doing fire pots, but we never put the two together. And we figured out a way to build it so that we could do that. And then that fire uh, became very popular with our clients, but, you know, they liked it. And we kept on growing and growing with this <laughs> fire, adding bigger fire and, you know, new types of ways of introducing the fire. And currently, I've got three projects on the board right now. One has a 60-foot fire bar behind the pool. Another one has a 30-foot fire bar. And another one has a 40-foot fire bar. Now, these are not mixed with water, but just to give you an idea how big fire has gotten uh, as a popular amenity to, uh, to a pool. And two of those are residential pools, by the way. The 60-foot one is a residential pool. Who are some of the vendors that you're using, Joe? I mean, using like Grand Effects or anything, anybody like yeah, that? You, we've used Grand Effects, which is now with, uh, uh, well, I was going to say Zodiac, but it's now Fluidra. And right. um, uh, there's a local guy in town who does things all over the world called Fire by Design. Yeah, those, those are the two uh, places that uh, we, we mostly call on. Hey Joe, can you tell me about any recent projects that you just finished up that you want to uh, talk about or discuss? Well, the, there was one project that I think uh, we didn't release. Well, it's just about two years old now, I guess, uh, since we finished. Uh, was a very unique project. Actually, was a very small backyard, as a matter of fact, and was a very unique home. The back of the house was actually almost on a 45-degree angle uh, with a series of 90-degree uh, offsets. And the backyard was very small, and, and this particular client came to, uh, came to us with this bag full of wants and desires. Uh, you know, he wanted a perimeter overflow pool. He wanted some, you know, a fire pit. He wanted a large area because uh, he had a great view of the strip. So he wanted to raise the deck up and have a great, you know, view of the strip and uh, just just so many things going on on this pool. And we were able to uh, 
put together a very what I thought was a very clever, unique design in this uh, this small backyard, um, and it really really turned out great. Hard to describe with words. <laughs> Maybe you'll give us some pictures so that we can share that in the article. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll have Mary send them to you. Are you still designing, Joe? Like, uh, is that part of your day to day, or you kind of shifted some of the some of the yeah, design not, over your other guys? Not so much. Not too much. Sometimes my son's doing most of the design work now. I might sit on uh, in a little consultation meeting with him on some projects, and we might kick a few ideas around. But uh, I don't think uh, fair to say that I'm really sitting down and taking on a project and designing it. I am doing the commercial projects, but the commercial projects for the most part come to me already designed. They're, they, you know, they just give you a set of plans and you just bid them, you know, bid them and build them. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I kind of like it. We do maybe about maybe a dozen commercial pools a year on just getting through the health department and building department is enough work <laughs> with those projects. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I had Noah Nilek on a while ago on the show and we were discussing Structure Studios mm-hmm. and how he got that product started. And mm-hmm. he was he was kind of telling me how instrumental you were in that whole process. Can you give me a little bit of insight as to how that all went down, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was general manager for Paddock Pools uh, at the time. And uh, as a matter of fact, it, it, it was the project on that I was talking about at the Street of Dreams with, with the fire and water pot. And uh, I was introduced to Noah and he came in and he showed me this uh, almost like a video game, you know, th- that he had. Uh, and he said, he, you know, he could do these things like with pools. And I said, well, you know, let me see what, you know, what you can do. And uh, if I recall, we gave him a plan or two and he put together one of his 3D designs. And uh, I was just like totally blown away. Uh, here we are. We've actually made this pool, this, this plan that we would present to clients uh, in, in a plan view. Or sometimes we had some artistic representation of a, you know, a still uh, picture of what that pool might look like. But now all of a sudden, we can see what this pool looks like as if I was a bird flying over the top of it, sitting in my living room, looking out a window. I could dive into the bottom of the pool and see what it looks like underwater from every angle and aspect. And I went, oh, my gosh, this is like uh, inventing the wheel in our business. I mean, this this has so, so much potential. And um I took it to uh, Buzz Giz at the time, who was the owner of Paddock Pools, and he was also blown away. And um, so we, we started, uh, I think Buzz was working with them at the time, uh, trying to maybe be the financial uh, backing behind it. And we just kept developing and developing it. And uh, Noah just ran with it, you know, finally took it on his own. And, and now it's taking it to the level that he's taken it to. But yeah, that, that was my, my eyes. I can't even imagine how big my eyes got when I first saw this program. And we, what we did was uh, for that Street of Dreams, 
Noah made me a, uh, a CD that was on a continuous loop that we put inside the home of the Street of Dreams on their TV on the, you know, they had a big flat screen TV and we put it on the TV that was a, a loop and just constantly played the video of the backyard pool. It was rather impressive. So it was great. And then uh, good for Noah. He's made a, a, a great business for himself. I love hearing the story, Joe. I mean, it sounds like to me, when I hear it, it sounds like, you know, you're in the room when uh, when the light bulb was invented. So it's pretty <laughs> cool to hear. That's what it feels like to me. You know, I mean, this was a this was a giant leap. Uh, for yeah. hours, you know. <laughs> It's only one part of your story. I mean, I, I know that you're involved in a lot of different things, the PHTA too, and you're doing a lot of things with them. Can you tell me a little bit about that side, Joe? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I was actually, how, how I got started there, um, I was, uh, you know, as I said, I used to like to share my, um, my knowledge. And I was invited to do a seminar uh, at the national show. And uh, I was doing that, and and, and uh, I always had the, the the seminar. I you know was something I've always wanted to do, and and I try to teach people that you're you're not a pool salesman, okay? You're you're a designer, and stop using the word salesman and use the word designer. And that's what my um, presentation, my seminar was all about was the pool salesman versus a pool designer. And, you know, to try to elevate that perception of, of a pool designer. But anyway, uh, one of the guys from the, uh, uh, at the time was the, uh, I think it was the AP, APSP, uh, came in and he was involved with the National Builders Council, came in, listened to my seminar, and I was invited in to uh, join that Builders Council, uh, which I did. Uh, met some great, great people. A lot of them are part of those resources I, I was talking about. And, you know, just started to get a little more involved, a little more involved in, in different ways with, with what is now the PHTA, Pool and Hot Tub Association, and um, wound up being on the board of directors uh, for the association for uh, six years. And um, uh, it, it was a great experience. You, you have no idea most people in our industry have no idea how they are being protected by, by these handful of people who volunteer and get themselves involved in the organization. There are so many things going on that we are totally unaware of that affect our industry. Different codes, laws, government intervention, people out there who are trying to, while their intentions are good, but sometimes they do it in a way that can harm our ability to be successful and earn a living. So somebody has to get involved and, and, and keep an eye on this and, and, and protect our, our industry. And that's a lot of what the PHTA does. <clears throat> it's not glamorous. Um, it's not always well disseminated amongst the industry, but it, it's certainly an extremely, extremely important part uh, of our business. And I would encourage anybody listening here to get involved, uh, throw your hat in the ring and uh, be a part of uh, the people that, you know, protect our industry and our business. Because a lot of old guys like me are, are at the point where we're moving out. <laughs> well, you're a good shepherd, Joe. 
And I'm sure that with guys like you on the Vanguard, we're heading in the right direction. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you getting with us today and uh, sharing your insight and your expertise. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. That's all the time we have today. A big thank you to our sponsors, Viking Capital. They're partnering with pool builders to get homeowners the financing they need in real time and helping them close more pool sales. Make sure to subscribe and join us next time on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast.